The following podcast may be explicit. It may contain references to and examples of bodily functions. It may also contain infantile humor and profane language. It may also contain some useful information about the tabletop RPG hobby. If you find any of these things offensive, stop listening now. Thank you, and enjoy the show. And I stalked it. I fucked up the die roll. I stalked it. My luck's a black hole, so I stalked it. And I know I'm an asshole, cause I stalked it. And I stalked it. You're listening to Happy Jack's RPG Podcast, pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon and beer. And I know I'm an asshole, cause I stalked it. Thank you for joining us for Season 12, Episode 1 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. This is Gina. This is Stark. 12-1? 12 be like an anniversary of some sort? Like 12? I was going to get a song finished, but I'm not going to say anything about it. Ooh. But I, at, some, at some point when I have time during the week, probably after Bogfest, now, I will, I will the, record it. The season's just random. You decide when to start and stop. No, tw- I have 20 episodes. 20 episodes. 20 that, episodes. So we've been doing this. Okay, math. Let's see here. We've been doing oh, yeah. this now for... Eleven uh, times twenty. Is, uh, <laughs> uh, what's this? Five years in five, July. Christ, five years? Yeah, a lot. Yeah. A hundred and two hundred and two hundred and twenty. Does it be there are two hundred and twenty first? Oh, episodes? that makes my lumbago hurt. Is that right? Years of first. I jeez. I'm bad at math. Uh, <laughs> but good oh. at but good at music. Soundboard check. Okay, uh, that, that sound works. It does. The fifty-second annual Renaissance Pleasure Fair is happening right now. You can go to Renfair F A I R dot com slash SoCal to find out information. It is in Irwindale, California. It will be running through uh, the weekend before Memorial Day, whatever that is. So there's five, five weekends left. This is our third weekend coming up tomorrow, uh, and next weekend, the twenty-sixth April. At 8 p.m. at the Doubletree Hotel in Monrovia, California, the 20th annual Bogfest. Yay! Yeah. Do you have a, you have a yes. huzzah or a chewing crowd or something on that soundboard? Or is uh, it all just golf clap? I, I, I got a golf clap. Yay! <laughs> and it was much rejoicing. They most certainly would have died had they not eaten the poxy boggards. 20. There we go. Stadium That's crowd. Good. Yeah. I don't have a Vuvuzela sound. I really should. Um, I mean, I, 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 <laughs> the uh, and, and that is a free show. So if you want to come out to, if you haven't come out to fair yet, and you're local and uh, you're hemming and hawing about when to do it, the time to do it is fourth weekend, and much, April April twenty sixth, yeah. April twenty. Much to our surprise, this is, turns out to be a big event, and the yeah. hotel is sold out. So I'm not sure oh, if they are yet, wow. but they probably they are. may they save some block do, rooms yeah. and stuff. So, but. Um, but it is, and there are other, uh, are other hotels if they are booked. There are literally within walking distance. With, like yeah, within walking distance. Yeah. So it is. A, it is a fun time. We usually start the show about eight eight o'clock at night, poolside at the DoubleTree. It's outside. It's nice. It's usually fairly balmy, and uh, we will be debuting two previously unheard songs. Right. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And they sell May- beer and they serve sandwiches. Possibly and- three unheard, previously unheard. Really? Songs. Yeah. If we can get the third one up and running. So and, and it's then, not and then, the intro to the show. It's another song. What intro? No, no, that's different. That that's something I'm working on. That's going to take me some time. I've already got the lyrics at the first verse, which is enough for an intro for the show. But I'd like to kind of finish it because sure. I, I think it could be funny. Uh, so there you go. 
And then, uh, of course, Game X happens uh, Memorial Day weekend at the uh, LAX. Yeah, Gina, are Hilton. you running anything are you, are you at Game X? going? I'm going. Uh, not running. You're going um, to represent? I'm going to represent. I've seen the games. The games are starting to get listed. Oh, are they? Okay. So, yeah, a few, a few games on there. But looking forward to that. It's usually the quiet Kellen for us. Right, yeah. Yeah. Well, the last time you went, there were a bunch of people sort of dissing us, and you got all... You go all up in their grill about oh, that. Was, oh, that's was that right. Last, that was a couple years ago now, wasn't it? Was it last year? I think it was just last year. Oh, maybe it was. Yeah. Right. That's right. Smack them down. I know. Shut them bitches up. <laughs> <laughs> Where is my money? All right. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and jump into this because I wanted to talk about uh, this first email. This is, I mean, with, with, some topic in a little bit, but mostly this is kind of a email. Still reading emails from January. Yeah, really. I just broke February in this in this list finally, and fe- there's a lot of emails in February. No way. Yeah. So I'm trying to power through them here, <clears throat> uh, and and I have actually, and I pr- didn't ever want to do this, but there are some where uh, people are just writing in and just being nice, and I'm like. Thank you. I know. Can't put it, you know, because it's, it's, there's just so many of them now. But that's good. Cause we it have is very a nice. They had a few more inquiries, in, inquiries on uh, advertising too. So Really? That could be exciting. How can they, if somebody wants to advertise on this, how can they go about it? Well, go to happyjacks.org and click on the, I think it's advertise is the link, I think. Let me double check. But I think it's just plain old advertise. It's up there in the toolbar. There's like a section that says advertise. Yeah. Uh, let's see. yeah, advertise right there. It's the fourth one over. Click on that, and it tells you how to contact me, and and then we can talk advertising. Palaver and, and yeah, negotiate. It's a good That's word. A good word. Palaver. Yes. Yeah. All right. Email from JW or JW. I have two questions. I regularly see suggestions on forums and videos that Savage Worlds GMs should use plot point campaigns to run their games. Here's the question. How the hell do you write one? (laughs) Hmm. For all the insistence that the system is fabulous, I can never find a how-to or even a a suggestions of where to start. Second question. I have a new player who's enthusiastic uh, away from the table but turns into a monotone lump the minute his ass hits the chair. I understand that this hobby can be intimidating to the uninitiated, which could explain his reticence to act in character. But he also seems to be confusing the tabletop with an Elder Scrolls game, where the only form conflict resolution involves spamming fireballs and waggling your sword at an opponent. I've emphasized that this is a narrative experience, and he says he understands but hasn't stepped out of his rut of monotonously uttering, I walk up to her and attack with Bolt. Uh, any suggestions to politely nudge him into the right direction? He is not disruptive to the other players, but the other players are definitely frustrated that his charismatic mage is just a mute and a semi-sentient piece of heavy artillery. <laughs> so two questions. The plot point campaign. The plot point can I went and read yeah. the, the Savage Worlds books. 
And the plot point campaign, as far as I can figure out, is uh, uh, Pinnacle putting a name on something that's been around for a long time. And that is a plot point campaign is a campaign where there is some sort of a timeline or some sort of a overarching story mm-hmm. that you are either leading the players through or is happening independent of their actions. Although mm-hmm. they do have the ability, of course, to engage. To, to engage it and change its direction, of course. Um, but it is something that I think has existed for a long time. And I think many GMs, if not most GMs, who do their own material probably end up writing that thing. It's just, I think it's confusing to people because someone's coined a term for something that has already existed. Does that sound right to you? I think so. It does, but why don't you explain what Pinnacle calls a plot point campaign clearly? Well, I mean, I think the the simplest example would be the, 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 what's the water one? Where the, oh, uh, 50 Fathoms. Where everything's sinking. Yep. And, right. Yeah. So there's things that are going to happen. There's events that happen. Some of them are natural events, yep. right, that are going to happen throughout the course of the adventure. So you can have side adventures, and you can have individual stories that happen to the characters that maybe, oh, I need to go find my long-lost mother or something like that. Yep. It doesn't necessarily have to do with this overarching plot of the fact that your fucking world is sinking. Right. Uh, so you can have all that other stuff going on, but the clock is ticking at a rate that the GM can determine would be dramatic, uh, and things are, are need to happen, and there are problems that are going to need to be addressed, and that's kind of how I see how, kind of how I see them. So I mean, it, if if you were to look at something else, let's say you've got you know some big conspiratorial organization that's trying to take over the world, they've got plans, they've got a timeline. Or at least an agenda. Well, no, specifically, if we're talking about the plot point yeah. campaign, mm-hmm. they probably have a timeline. They probably say, okay, we're going to uh, cause a war to happen between these two nations where there's already been some tension, and that's going to give us the opportunity to to go over here and do this thing. And whatever their little, their machinations are, and then the player characters may have may be thrust into this or dropped into this completely unwittingly. And maybe discover bits and pieces of it as they go along. But the plot marches on and time marches on until it gets to the point where the players know enough that they actually are starting to disrupt it. And then that that timeline is now reacting to the events that are happening in the game. Do, do you think it's uh, somewhat akin to just it's a, it's a pre-described, pre-formatted sort of sandbox yeah. where things are happening in that world? And like you said, your story with those players maybe weaves in and out of what's going on around them. Right. And sometimes you can pull them in. Sometimes they're going to pull themselves in. Mm -hmm. But they're either going to have their own narrative and their own story. Right. That goes on. You're just, you're, you're, it's just an overall arching story. And really for most GMs, especially once players get involved, it's going to be an idea of where a story might go. Yeah, and never really more than that. But I mean, that's that's kind of what it is. It's a. Uh, I think for any anyone who's designing a campaign, that's what 
it is. I mean, it, and it, I think there is some confusion because of the using the term plot point campaign. They've like coined a term for this thing that I think has been around for a long time. I I think that's definitely true, and yeah. I think if you look at a lot of the uh, campaign worlds for Savage Worlds, like Fifty Fathoms or uh, Deadlands mm-hmm. Reloaded, um, there are those elements to those. And in fact, I think Pinnacle even talks about uh, Savage Tales, like where if you really don't have time and you want to use this uh, plot point campaign, right? And then weave your own sort of adventures in on top of that mm-hmm. uh that you can actually use their um their sort of one-shot story ideas within those worlds right to kind of propel your story or to kind of enhance the other story. one that, the, the other good example is in what's the dark superhero one uh uh, unnecessary evil. Unnecessary evil. Yeah. No, necessary. No, necessary. necessary, not necessary. Unnecessary. 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 Quite. In the back of the book, there is. No, I'm not going to give any spoilers because it's an awesome idea for a campaign. If you've read it, if you haven't read it, and you ever want to play in in Necessary Evil, don't mm-hmm. read the adventure in the back of that book because it's a campaign. It's a series of adventures, right? Oh, cool. And uh, but you could easily weave in the plot of a bunch of supervillains doing their own thing, and then intersecting with this larger story that's going on. And eventually, they kind of get to take control of that story. It's pretty awesome. Oh, cool! But I mean, that's what that that's that's what it is. It well, what are the advantages of using a plot point campaign as opposed to just sort of just you know freewheeling it because i can think of it there's this overall arcing story that that gives your world shape and it also gives the character something to level into right if you're starting yes. at level one and eventually you want to kill hitler world war ii is going on and eventually you get to the point and you put in enough clues and you get to enough experience and enough weaponry that you can actually yes can take on the third reich single-handedly right all you need is a bear jew <laughs> or captain america <laughs> or something but i think that that might be one advantage but what are the other advantages i mean i guess I guess especially with these pop campaigns, they, they will drive the story. I actually don't think there are a lot of advantages to it because the whole concept of it is here's my adventure, over, overarching adventure, and I'm going to plug my characters into it. Right. Uh-huh. I think it, it might be better to say, here are my characters. Here's an overarching story with lots of opportunities for them to get involved you know what I mean? It, it's so setting and and maybe a a couple of quests or something is enough for you. You don't need, or maybe the maybe the plot points come out of what the characters do. I remember very early on, Tappy talking about the fact that uh, he doesn't even start to work on an adventure until he sees the characters, which uh-huh. which had been always the opposite of what I had always done. But really, it's much easier to get the players and the and they and their characters interested in the story if you've crafted it to those characters knowing who they are rather than saying okay here's my big arching overarching story and i have to figure out why you guys would get involved in this or you know either that or you give a little bit of it away mm-hmm. in the beginning and say okay it, the adventure is going to be kind of like this so make characters who would be interested in this sort of a thing you know and that's true we always used to do that in fact i think one of the adventures i was working on early early on in the podcast this pathfinder or D&D adventure, I kind of said, here's kind of the structure I'm going for, so you got to make characters that are kind of like this. Right. And 
it, it's it's not wrong, but it's it does like all of a sudden people are like, well, I want to do this. Why are you telling me what to make? Right. And so with this plot point adventure, it, I guess it frees you up from that. No, no, it's exactly the opposite. <laughs> exactly the opposite. I mean, it, it, well, because they can make whatever characters they want. You still already have this yeah, stuff that's going to go you, on. But you, you always run the risk of them having characters who are going to say, oh, "I'm out. I'm done. I, I, I yeah. wouldn't. I wouldn't get involved in this. It's too dangerous." You know what I mean? People, and those Nazis have guns. Or Why they, would I be in there? Or they pick the wrong side, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a conscientious objector. Why would I be there? Right. <laughs> Although there is, you know, the problem of making that sort of character in an adventure. Yes. Because we don't call we don't call them to do lists. We call them adventures. Yes. So. <laughs> there is that. Yeah. So do you think calling the police should never be the first option? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he's asking how to write a plot point campaign or I how to write the story? I think I think it was it's it's just a matter of confusion. Okay. That's what I think it is. Um because I think it is far more common um essentially uh Pinnacle gave a name to something that maybe never had a name but has existed and, and probably So you could I mean a plot Okay, so Setting, England. Plot point, Voldemort and his Death Eaters are going to try to take over the world. Sure. There you go. Right? And and in, 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 if you were going to give it some detail, yeah. you would have specific instances where the the party might get involved. Maybe they're going to go to the um, uh, the Department of Mysteries and go to, and try to steal whatever their secret weapon is. So maybe one of the characters works in the Department of Mysteries. So at some point, that character, maybe when his friends are coming over for lunch, boom, that place gets hit by a, bun- a bunch of Death Eaters, and they have to try to fend them off. Okay, now it's like, oh, holy cow, you know, we've been doing this yeah. adventure about, you know, so-and-so's lost mother, and now Death Eaters came and attacked us. What the hell did they want? Can we figure out what it is they want? Good thing we repelled them, you know. And, and there we go. And there's one. And you're off and running. And then, yeah. and then, and they may be predetermined, but they may not be. But you have a, you've got something with an overarching goal or an end. Looking for an end, either an organization or a person or natural events that are that, that are trying to get to some place. And so after that encounter happens, maybe the next couple, maybe the next adventure is them trying to find out more about it, uh-huh. right? So then you have to kind of develop, okay, what are they doing now? Are the, de- are the Death Eaters, do they just meet with failure? Are they going to say, you know what? Let's lay low for a while because those guys were kind of motherfuckers. They kicked the shit out of us. Or the uh-huh. other way around. I mean, if the death right. eaters, their first encounter is, you know, we just kicked their ass and we're, now we've got more clues. But that's it. That's the point. The plot point. Uh, the, the point about the plot point game is that stuff is happening and then the characters bump into it now and again and eventually yeah. they get embroiled in it. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, and it does. It, I mean, I guess the advantage of it is if you don't hit it hard all the time, always go after the major. Ar- overarching story you can uh weave in personalized individualized adventures and storylines that really kind of help the characters develop themselves develop the relationships between the characters and the relationship with the world in general and we'll make them yeah. care about the overall story of it as well. Right, yeah. right. That's, so that's when you find out oh yeah this guy's gonna blow up the world oh well i, I kind of care about the world yeah now. right so some of my best friends are on the world. <laughs> so exactly. as so as far as um, having the guy who who is enthusiastic away from the table, but a monotone lump the minute his ass yeah. hits the chair. There's a few different things I, I it could be. Yeah. 
you may have a munchkin or or a power not well i guess a munchkin a power gamer munchkin power gamer yeah. or both of those who is, who has what? learned the lip service of story <laughs> hmm. because they're out there yeah explain well i mean i think i know what you mean well yeah but, i mean yeah. Th- there there are pe- there are people who like to power game and like combats and like doing all the fiddly things in combats and then there are players who don't like that and would prefer to just do story and just do character development and that kind of exploration and the occasional fight here and there. Um, And then there are people who like to do both. And then there are people who like to do one or the other and then lie about the fact that they like the other one. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, am I wrong? (laughs) No. Yeah. And the other... That's one way to look at it for sure. And we, I mean, the, we, we've the, encountered them in cons, and we've encountered them, you know, they, they're there. The, they, um, postcards from the dungeon, the most, the, the pod, single most, single episode of any podcast ever that made me so angry, I was talking to myself in my car, was the one where they had the, 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 oh, the, the, the power game. Defensive, yeah. And, but he is probably one of the first people to say, that I've ever heard say, "Oh, that yeah, that's all I like. I just like to take systems and tear them apart and and break uh-huh. them, and and that's it. That's I, I, it's my fun. That's what we, I do. We know a guy like that too. He freely admits it. Some of them do, some of them don't. Some of them, some of them lie to get into your game and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then sit there sullenly until there's. But combat. I mean, that, I, that's a possibility. This could be someone who is a munchkin who's learned how to get himself involved. I wonder how long he's been know. playing. I don't know. It also could be someone who who's, who has a preconceived notion about uh, tabletop RPGs and the fact that that um, uh, MMORPGs came out of them, that they are very much like MMORPGs, uh-huh. and that you kind of see that a little bit in in what he's talking about as well, because I mean, in those you get a quest, you read some text, you go out and you kill stuff, right. You come back and, and you come back and you read some more text and you get a thing. Yeah, right. And it could be maybe you need to sit down with him and say, you know, he's just much more stick and carrot oriented. Is that what you're saying? He's like, yeah. you need, he needs to. And that could be a misconception about what tabletop RPGs are or can be, because if he if, if he follows the sort of parentage from tabletop RPGs to MMOs, maybe he assumes that. They are very far more similar than they are dissimilar. Okay, you know, and it we had we've had players in in our game who came from MMOs and had some trouble getting out of that mindset, and yeah. instead stayed in it and like, oh no, we missed a clue. We have to go back for that clue. We're gonna miss something. I, I that know was the important plot. And when it's like, I first started playing, because there is so much. Well, and it was for you. Um, but there's so much about the character mechanically that is supported by that combat. Oh, yeah. That that was where my comfort level was. Mm-hmm. But that the example of the people I played with gave me more and more confidence to have that more narrative experience in the game and not just the um Just the mechanics the in, in doing yeah, the whole the combat. Yeah, the mechanical thing. combat. 
there's there's another thing that occurred to me while reading this is that and because I, I found myself doing these one of these two things at any one time one of them is uh, I remember in your 4e game oh gosh there's a, there's at least three things uh, in your 4e game I remember I just got tired and I kind of shut down you know sure. after especially after a long combat and uh-huh. it would be like I hit it with my sword or roll the dice I hit what do I <laughs> okay I hit or you know, everybody else has been talking so much. The time has gone on. And you just you start to lose focus, and you just literally start relying on the dice mechanics. Um, I've had it happen in the L five R game where somebody's being so brilliant, or they're following the clues, or they're doing their thing. There's nothing I can really add. I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want to just throw a wrench in the monkey works. Yeah. They're doing really good. So I just sit back sometimes and listen and watch. And maybe that's maybe what's happening here is that everybody else is being so brilliant, and the story's moving forward, and things are happening. He's more than happy to just sit there, and then when <coughs> combat comes up, he's, you know. Right, and, and, and we've <laughs> all known pl- players that are like that. And it also, I mean, the other possibility is is fear. Yeah. Maybe the guy is, I, I don't know, I, I would think if all of the other players around you are role-playing and acting in character and talking in character, you'd kind of feel like a heel for not doing so. Well, but it I could also think. be intimidating. I mean, if they're all up you're there right. pontificating yeah, an iambic pentameter and you're like, uh, okay, I just made a combat monkey, that's all I can do. It, ver- it very much might be not the not wanting to look dumb or, or silly. And sometimes the people that just, they say they're interested and they're interested in it for a while, but there's sometimes people, what was it, we've had some emails where people say, stop talking, you're talking too much, why yep. are you... Why are you talking? Yeah, Rob's Stop talking to our experience Rob's, points. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, right. I wonder if he's asked him out of game. I don't know. Not he should. In front of, yeah. Is just how he feels like, what's his comfort level, you know, because he says he has emphasized that it's a narrative uh, experience, and it sounds like maybe that that is how uh, he's described his games. Right. And let me just, maybe, let me just kind of smack on Savage Worlds a little bit here. He says in here, "I walk up and attack." Yeah, walk up to her and attack with bolt. <laughs> Maybe right. this player has discovered the sameness. Yeah, <laughs> of the savage world. Or he just he hasn't bothered to put any trappings on it either. That's kind of thing. That's what I was going to say. What is? Yeah. Or maybe he's not, like gave up on the trappings and realized, well, it's just it's just, yeah. it's all just a bolt. Oh, it doesn't have to just be a bolt. Yeah, I walk but up yeah. to her and swing We've my sword and roll the dice. Yeah, there's not there's not much of a difference. I mean, it could be it could be Pathfinder too. I walk up and I the, use my daily and swing it with my sword. The, Do I yeah. hit? the Savage Worlds community will go berserk? They will right now. <laughs> the writing right now. Um, uh, I can, but I can understand the other player's frustration too. He's supposed to be the charismatic mage, and yeah. I'm assuming yes. that the DM is putting him in positions where he has to be charismatic. If he's not, yeah. then, then you need to challenge that part of it. Oh, you know? I would, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, which begs the question, then, I mean, is is he, are, are you featuring him at points or putting him in points where he actually, I mean, here, we've had problems with, like, I've like, I like to talk my way out of combats more often than not, especially when I'm at lower levels. You know, because combat right. never goes right. Oh no! And I, there have been other players at the table that are absolutely furious at me for doing that. And maybe he's one of these people that wants to just kill things and doesn't really want to talk his way out of it because it's more fun combat-wise. Maybe his character is built that way. I don't have enough information to know for sure. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, I'm, so that's another thing, which is, yeah, I have a charismatic mage because that's where my points come from. But I don't like to talk my way out of stuff. Really, I I, I want to kill things because that's you know, but. 
I can see how it's frustrating for the other players as well, right? You're exactly. Well, yeah, because I assume the reason he's using quotes around charismatic is he's actually got edges and skills that support that part yeah, of his the, character. There's a, but he's not using it. Right. All right. Yeah. So, so how do we? How does he fix it? I think he needs to talk to him. That would be the first thing, and and suss out what what the reason is, because there's there's a reason for this, and we've given you like three. I would yeah. say you need to feature him more too, challenge him, but you got to be careful that you don't pick on him. You got to be careful that you don't put him in a position where he gets resentful. If he is and coming from a, if he's coming from a place of fear, that may not help. Right. Get, that's why you got to fi- figure out why. Figure out the why. He's not disruptive. He's not like no. doing this maliciously. He just shuts down when he gets at the table. Right. Um, I get it. Maybe have him listen to some actual plays where people go through different characters and do different things yeah. and he can maybe understand the process more. Maybe he doesn't fully understand what it's like. And I I certainly have run into players who say, oh, yeah, yeah I'm a great role player. And then they get in and they're all about the mechanics. Like, it's not role yeah. playing. I don't know. Yeah. And now I'm looking at the monotonous, monotonous, ugh, monotonously uttering. If I was monotonously <clears throat> uttering something, I'd be disengaged. I walk up and attack her with bolt. Yeah. So I don't right. know if that's... Yeah, I'm curious. <clears throat> well, I would try to engage him in something that isn't combat-oriented, where he actually has to talk uh-huh. or think or uh, negotiate. You know, yeah. I don't want to corner him, and you don't want him to be mad and table flip, but I would try to challenge him to play the charisma side up a bit. Um, and I, and if that... Or, and meanwhile, maybe even simultaneously talking to him about it. Like, dude, come on. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, it would help if I... Or in this next session, I'm going to try to... Just so you know. Yeah, yeah. give him a heads up, especially if he's coming from that scaredy kind of thing. Um, there is... Oh, uh, anyway, he says thanks and take a drink. J-W-P-S, drink again. P-P-S, stop drinking time. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do
I would do Battlestar Galactica. Oh. You should do that. Yeah, but everyone knows how know how it goes. I would seem so brilliant if no one had ever seen it, and I ran this game. It's ambitious. That's really <laughs> ambitious too. Well, I just got to rewatch it a couple more times. That's terrible. Boy, that's yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, SP Lloyd, for the SP Lloyd that's said, a good question. "Said rest in peace, White Wolf Games. White Wolf, White Wolf Games is still okay. I know that they yeah. the, the they were working on an online version of World of Darkness." Uh, another oh, company okay. was, and that got canceled. And all those people, I, I think the, the whole team that was working on it got laid off. So that it's not that the I don't, game company went under. I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, chat room, but I don't think that White Wolf Games themselves is out. I think it's this company that, that was... project. Yeah. yeah. Where are the Happy Jacks t-shirts to buy? I am working on a Happy Jacks t-shirt right... Th- really? Not, not this minute, but yes. Because I found a good vendor for t-shirts. Finally, after... All, all these years of yes. making band T-shirts and having—it's uh, always a nightmare. Stop talking to my experience points. Maybe I'll make that the. <laughs> I'll, I'll, let me write that down. Maybe that'll be the 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 catchphrase on the T-shirt. Stop talking to my talking experience points. To my. Experience. I can't believe you talked your way out of the combat. You know how much experience you would have gotten for that? <laughs> what an asshole you are. Oh, great. We got 20 experience points for talking to it. We could have gotten 2,000. Now, it's got to be a shirt that people would want to buy because I have to do a run of like yeah, like 100, 144 is like my minimum run. And it would sure would be nice if I knew what sizes to get ahead of time rather than buy the spread of sizes because we found out that, you know, Boggart fans, our last run... They, they skew a little larger than the average person does. I, I think I think I always tend to skew larger with t-shirts anyway because you can always I think a lot of people bigger do. and blousy is always better better than showing in too much. Oh, remember the one year we <laughs> ordered women's tees in like extra small and that they were extra ran out small, of good size. small and medium, right? The only sizes right. We <laughs> and the way we put them on, and the, see, I can't wear this. See, and we're like, it looks, looks great, great to me, <laughs> <laughs> and it did. But they wouldn't buy. They them. were mad. Oh yeah, they were. <laughs> Our wives, especially, were mad at us. So, yeah, I, I am working on a T-shirt. I just got to find cool. one that, that people want to buy, come up with one that people want to buy, and then tr- figure out sizes. So maybe on the forum, I'll ha- ask people. I'll, I'll put a thing on the forum and say, go in and tell me what size T-shirt you would order. Yeah. If you were to order a T-shirt. So when I order them, I'll know what can I'm going to get. you do a little get. survey thing where you click on yeah. them? And I've got, I, I've got everything oh. set up now so I can, I can do online... If you make ordering them like, and you I can have, fulfill them myself, if you make them really, and really, really oh, cool. big, even XXLs or whatever, people can use them as nightgowns and things. Yeah, but some smocks. Yeah, but they're also <laughs> they're also smaller people who. Yeah. I guess would wear a large. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. Well, well I might know two people who would wear a large. You, you wash a large long enough, it isn't a large t-shirts anymore. T-shirts fit differently too. Yes. Well, the the shirts that I that I got tend to be like real people sizes. So, um, and especially in the ladies' sizes, I've been told that they're, you don't have, they're not like made smaller. You know what I mean? Yep. A small men's and a small women's are. Well, no, yeah, they are different. Yes. Um, and also if I need to make uh, a a ladies style t-shirt too, I would need to know that as well. Eh. No, just regular t-shirts? I don't think you should. Okay. All right. You have lady fans, but. So there's that. Other people. I do. The ladies love the, the ladies happy, love jacks. happy jacks. If we found nothing else out from the surveys, yeah. is that I think we are number one amongst the ladies. Uh, do a Kickstarter yeah. for a t-shirt? What? 
I suppose I could. That's a lot of misery. What's going to happen when you get like you know a hundred thousand dollars for a T-shirt? That's what? that's a lot of. Well, look, awesome. if the Kickstarter goes huge, <laughs> then what do you do? Well, I, I just, <laughs> stretch goal after stretch goal. You're going to spend the next year like fulfilling stretch goals for a T-shirt. I suppose, no, that wouldn't be stretch goals. I wouldn't put. I wouldn't put myself in that position. Uh, does Happy Jacks roll in thug style at uh, to game cons? Yes. Yeah. I do. Well, when we- no fedoras though, because that's been overdone. He usually has dark glasses though, and he does have a black suit. You know, the Bog Father himself steps I do. out of well, a limousine yeah. and coolers. And and people beer scurry and to gather his luggage, and he takes that look. He looks like Mussolini equipment. actually. Kind of takes that look of <sighs> and walks in, and their theme music starts. <laughs> Hail Hydra! <laughs> All right. Uh, next email cool. from Rick E. From Rick, yeah, not Rick, no, but Rick Ricky. E. Rick I, I. I can read Rick oh, I. Gotcha. Ricky. Hello, douchebaggers. Greetings from Colorado. I was first introduced to D and D by my husband back when we were all still when we were still dating. I. That's excellent. I'm a theater freak, so I thought it would be right up my alley. Fast forward ten years, and I went from the girlfriend to a full fledged geekit or geekette. Yay! I've decided geekit. I have decided uh, and have taken the plunge into GMing a lot in part to your Woo-hoo. podcast. Thank you for all the advice. It has helped me to become a better gamer and help with my confidence to lead my own story. I'm running a one-shot in GURPS uh, first to test the waters. If all goes well, I want to run a campaign set in the Firefly-inspired Wild West steampunk world. Wish me luck. That's They're, awesome. I definitely need to applaud that, too. Yeah. And I'd like to pause here and say good on you for, for like, Deciding to want a GM and deciding on the system you want, and it's and it's not. Uh, we bag on GURPS and Heroes saying they're complicated, but GURPS is has a bit of a learning curve, GURPS and I'm really game. good on you for yeah. doing that. GURPS what, is a wonderful game. It is. <laughs> it really is. And she's obviously figured that out. So good on yeah, you for doing awesome. that and not being intimidated by people saying GURPS is hard. Don't do it. Uh, both my husband Zach and I listen to your podcast and have come up with a new idea for co-GMing. I thought I would share. The idea of managing the combat of a campaign is a little frightening to me, so this is what we came up with. Split personality. Literally. I would GM the storyline, and as soon as his character enters battle, he freaks, goes unconscious, and then we switch. He GMs the battle, and I take over the character duties until it's over. We would both be able to play, and I can still play the pissed-off woman hero. Just kidding. (laughs) Well, that's it for now. Thank you again for all the great advice. Say hi to my fellow geek girls. That's to you. Yay! Hi, Ricky. Uh, P.S. Attached is a picture of our gaming table. We take this shit seriously. Oh, Feel free to share. Oh, Ricky. Fuck, you should see this guy. I don't... I, I didn't print out the picture of this thing. Holy shit. It's... First off, it's fucking huge. And it's... It's got like... It's got, it looks like the top of it is made of like whiteboard material. Yeah. And it's all... And, and it's... It's hard to tell because there's no one in the picture to really gauge the distances. But it looks like it's about three by six. Okay. Maybe three by eight. It's they made big. it out of whiteboard material. That's so and smart. And it's all gridded out. That's so smart. And then there's like little like desk things built into it. This thing wow. is gorgeous too. And it looks like it's well built. This you, isn't you like... Maybe it's one of those ones you can buy because there's companies that make these like unbelievably cool gaming systems and it sounds very similar to that. I don't know. If but it's, got, it's like you sit down and there's like you have like, there's a, like little, a little, a little desk. Yeah. Whoa. And stuff so, underneath. And you've got your all stuff. your shit, and yeah. then the, and then like the tables up. Oh fuck! I think it's. I think you can buy them, Ricky. We'd love to. We'd love That's to hear amazing. if you bought it or if your husband is crafty and made it. Yeah, Colorado's it, full of all kinds of word workers. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll 
She sent me a picture of it. it, it it's fucking gorgeous. But yeah, put it on the forum. Um, yeah, I, I want that. Um, to your I co- put it. to your co-GMing thing, um, you know, Dave and I kind of do that style. I spend a lot of time with the story, and then he would take over sort of with the nuts and bolts and the combat thing. And it kind of just defaulted that way because I had the story in my head, and he's like, I'll tell you what, you run it. I'll chime in when I can, and then I'll I can do combat and stuff. And I'm like, yeah. okay. So I would narrate this stuff out and keep the story running and stuff. And then when it got into combat, I would take a break and go pee or drink water yeah. or review my notes, and Dave would take over the combat. I want to say in an early edition of GURPS, they talk about having a GM who is the adversary GM. He is designated uh-huh. to do the fights. And yeah. that's when, when Bill co GM. Yeah, when, when Bill co GM'd with me. When we did the GURPS fantasy yeah, thing. That's right. He ran the combats, and he was way meaner than I would be. He's, like, doing called shots. He's like, oh, here comes Tyler's character. All right. Called shot to the <laughs> eyes. Yep. Trying to blind the fucker. Because he's a, Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. damn. It's like, wow. What? He's a demon. This is a dangerous-looking yeah. guy. I'm going to take him out. Yeah. It would be. I'm a demon. I'm not dumb. My intelligence is right here. It's yeah, I know oh, yeah. stuff. He wasn't, he wasn't dumb, but... Yeah, that that's, that sounds um, like a good idea. It is, and it's it it, it is a it, it is a gr- especially if you're not that familiar with the game system yet. You don't have to be that familiar with the game system to run a game until you start getting into the crunchy bits of the mechanics. And if you have someone else who's more familiar with it, who's willing to run the combat, yeah. And this is a player. This is a, her husband is doing this. Yep. Yeah, yep. that's so, what it sounds like. So he like passes out because he's playing probably playing in passes. I think that's the cool thing about co GMing is when you get a chance to like check out. Of being the active mm-hmm. uh, participant or the role leader, it gives you time to think about sure. either narrative or, like you said, you always talk about how you're not as strategic as you would like to be in those oh, circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. But then you have somebody who's like, oh, yeah, I got this, mm-hmm. who can just step in and. Uh, at con games, I find it's easy to co GM. I can't imagine for the long haul because there are long times yeah. where there's just a lot of talking stuff and two guys sitting behind the screen going, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of advantages to co-GMing, especially if you are unfamiliar with the entire rule set. But also just there's somebody else there to notice stuff. If the party gets split, suddenly there's somebody there that can address that. If, sure. If the party has questions or if somebody has you know, opens up a secret note, the, you know that co-GM and the other can go off in the room and the game can still keep going. There, I mean, there's a lot of advantages to it. So, I agree. I really like it. Well, these next two emails are a set. Email from Kurt? Yes. Thank you for being. I want to thank you. (laughs) I am new to podcasts and have generally just explored astronomy and astrophysics podcasts. What? How did you get to us from astronomy and astrophysics? (laughs) Sir, you have dumbed down (laughs) your uh, your podcast. Completely stumbled into the wrong backwater. But for the past couple of months, I've been having hunger pangs for running an RPG campaign. I really haven't played any RPGs for a decade or two Mm -hmm. of any true merit. Well, you know what? That's how this whole thing started. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've played in a few games over the years that were sadly lacking in content or commitment. And I assure you that those would never count as as quality gaming. Yes, but they count as horror stories. You can email (laughs) them to us, please. Yep. My girlfriend suggested that I try to find a podcast for games, and indeed, I did find four or five podcasts to listen to. What I found was Happy Jacks, and I have spent the last few days listening to your latest shows of Season 11 and starting the older shows from the beginning. I wanted you to know that you're helping me to overcome these withdrawals that I have 
been feeling and giving me the motivation to begin writing out my campaign. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you, Kurt. P.S. I hope I don't find you hating on the Rollmaster Space Master systems in the flood of podcasts I'm wading through. Um, now read the second email. Second email uh, from This came Kurt. in a couple days later. Arg, I knew it. Yeah. You went and did it. Oops. You attacked my beloved Rollmaster by Iron Crown. By Iron Crown. Doesn't that sound like a sword? My beloved Rollmaster by Iron Crown. I knew that I would catch some flack as I was exploring the past podcasts. I found it sooner than I thought, though. Somewhere around season one, episode 19, you told your own horror story of how awful your, uh, in quotes, table-heavy critical damage Iron Crown Middle Earth Merp game was. I wonder who That's said that. That's quite a mouthful. Was that, that you? like you. No. I never played Merp. I never played it. I'm guessing it was oh. Tappy. Maybe it was Tappy. One. Season one, episode nine. Let me say Two. that you had an awful game session with a great game system. <laughs> Rollmaster, in all its incarnations, i.e. Space Master, Cyberspace, Merp, is a great game and I'll be happy to talk you through them someday. The game has a wonderfully open character creation system and each character in your game can be beautifully varied from one another without having such absurd genre differences that you can find in GURPS or RIFTS type systems. You don't have to have In the GURPS. same sentence, no, not at all. sir. RIFTS and GURPS. <laughs> yeah, I'd take issue with that a little bit. Yeah. I still love your podcasts and can't wait to hear the next nine seasons, but I hope to hear far more praises of the Iron Crown games than complaints. I don't think there is a praise. Thank oh, there's, you. has been one. Well, he goes on here because I, I, I do have a question. Yeah. Though. Uh, thank you, Kurt. And then he says, PPS. Did we delete his PS? Uh, you don't see it? No. Oh, I, don't I see a PP. I... PPS. Mm-hmm. Rollmaster is not a hyped up version of Merp. Merp is a watered-down version of Rollmaster. Everything that was not Middle-Earth relevant was removed from the Merp systems. P-P. And then PPPS. If you'd like to see how popular the Iron Crown systems really are, try to find an affordable copy of anything Merp on eBay or Amazon. And that brings me to my point, which is, is this system still supported, or is it a dead tree? I, I don't think so. I'll, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you right now. That's one of the things I kind of take umbrage with. Is as much as I like some of the older systems, they're they're a dead end, you know. And, and sometimes those systems came out of the seventies and are flawed. And it's nice to have something that you can get new material and new input and is constantly being updated and looked at. Oh, look at that! Are you they're still around? Hmm. No shit. Yeah, I found, they're still I found around. The core book for like seventeen ninety five on Amazon. Oh, did you? When I was looking, yeah. I want to play Rollmaster because I didn't get to grow up playing all these. Which is not to be confused with Hackmaster, which is uh, different. Started out as a joke. Rollmaster is the one that people call uh, Chartmaster or yeah, Roll- Chartmaster. Yeah. yeah, but I still want to play it. Right. Yeah, they're still there. Systems cool. or news. So they're Merp supported. Um, I don't see a web store. Oh, okay. on Drive or RPG Now. Yeah, they got stuff on RPG now. I don't know if there's anything new. But it doesn't matter, though. Yeah. It was great when it came out, right? Right? Yep. Just like Traveler 5. Oh, don't even talk to me about that. <laughs> did you say how long, how long did the second email come from the first one? A couple days. <laughs> that's cute. It was like two or three days. Was, <laughs> I, I, when, I, when I picked it out, I'm like, oh, i got to put that one in, dude. That's funny. <clears throat> oh, uh, is Kurt, Kurt in the chat room? There's a Kurt... It There's a lot of Kurtz. Merp is long since dead. R.I.P. Uh, yeah. Although it looks like you can still get stuff on 
I, I don't know if I don't know if Merp stuff is on here, but it looks like there's stuff on Drive Through or on uh, RPG Now. Oh, he says, "Hey, that's me. Thank you, Stu." Oh, oh, hey, you. Kurt. Yeah, thank you for listening, and thank you for your email. That Mike from Michigan. That Mike. Greetings and salutations to all the douchebags on the out in interweb land. I just listened to season eleven, episode twelve, in which Pathfinder Society and D encounter organized play was discussed, and I thought some input from someone just starting out with the Shadowrun missions, the Shadowrun organized play campaign setting, which I had no idea. Me existed. either. That sounds awesome. That actually does sound yeah. awesome. Uh, because I would love to play a game of Shadowrun. That's one of those games I've Me always too. wanted to run or right. play. Not run, but I always wanted to be in. I wouldn't want to run it. Just, I mean, because I've loved William Gibson, and I, you know, I bought the first Shadowrun book even when I wasn't gaming anymore because I saw it in this game, like obscure game store in Old Town when there was one. I'm like, oh, gotta get that and read it. And I'm like, this is awesome, and never ever got to play. I've got the anniversary edition of it. I just don't want to play it. I don't want to run it, but I would like to play it. Someone who like you Me know, too. We're, we're, like you're doing all of your missions right. And you're yeah, sitting there planning things out and getting it intel and trying to figure everything out. So yeah, uh, missions is organized by the Catalyst Game Labs demo team who run events personally, or may work with local GMs interested in the program and run events at both local game stores and conventions. Players supply their own characters, but there are some special limits for mission eligibility or missions eligibility. Most of these regard qualities, ads and disads in Shadowrun, for example. An addiction negative quality is not allowed as it is difficult to tell the story of your addiction spiraling out of control with changing game masters and everyone might have you hit rock bottom and, and everyone might have you hit rock bottom or have it well under control in their <laughs> session. Right. Right. Last session you were on the streets, and the next session you're, you, mm-hmm. you're in rehab and you're in control. Like, Who knows? Right. Yeah. Or the GMs just decide not to deal with it, right. so you're just, you know, you're fine. Uh, if a player does not have a ready character, GMs will generally have some available for you. Additionally, there are Welcome to the Sixth World events, which explain the fundamentals of the rules and settings. Um, and setting. Let new players make their characters for missions and run them through an introductory scenario. Each adventure is a standalone run in the game with a goal and re- with a, a goal and rewards. Most missions missions modules are part of a season, um, each of which are limited to a single sprawl and share a pool of common NPCs and one or more plot threads. For example, season four, the past season, was set in Seattle and focused on a political movement and shadowy organizations fighting over magical artifacts. Read MacGuffins. And season five, the current season, is set in what's left of Chicago. Um, They are running plot threads throughout the season, but players may skip missions and complete them in any order as long as they don't repeat any. In addition to the regular mission modules, there are convention-only scenarios that are more standalone and may or may not fit into the ongoing plots of the season. Uh, there are rules for gaining loyalty with reappearing contacts and gaining and losing reputation with several factions, which can influence negotiations and get PCs a piece of gear at a discount from corpse uh, they've gone they've done good work for in the past. This sounds like a big commitment here. I don't think it's I don't as think fun it, as it is. I don't think it does really because of the you know you can skip around. You don't yeah. have to. That's true. But you. 
If you're running them, that sounds like a commitment. Oh, yeah. Uh, the standard missions modules are available to the public in electronic format for a small fee. Each packet includes game stats, maps, and handouts, some recycled, some original. Uh, the individual runs vary in railroadiness. Each is organized into scenes, with the first being getting the job and the last being getting paid or backstabbed. Between that, things may go in a straight line from one scene to the next, or players may wander around the module, following up, following up a set of leads in order to in, in any order they prefer. It's also possible to skip entire sections if the players find a way to do so. GMs are given a fair amount of leeway on content, and suggestions are given for things to take away um, from or add to the module, often simplifying an encounter or adding additional combat and social encounters. Karma, experience points in Shadowrun, and monetary rewards are set by the designer, usually on a scale with karma awarded on what was accomplished and how, and pay based on negotiation results and who the runners work with. Betraying your employer is sometimes an option with corresponding factions gaining faction gains and losses. This sounds like it's set up really, really well. It sounds like they keep yes. it pretty loose. They, they kind of have a goal in mind, and, and the players can either, and again, like the DM, you can either lead you step by step or just let you wander around, and you can pick up the clues as you go. And mm-hmm. At the end... Regardless of how you got there, you get the same monetary reward and the same um, the karma rewards. Awards. Yeah. That's cool. I'm curious. Uh, I thought you'd you'd find find that interesting in comparison to the other organized play yeah. systems. I'm curious what other smaller companies have systems and what they are. Myself, uh, if anyone is interested in missions event, you can find them at most larger conventions and you can check out local ones at the Catalyst Games Labs demo site catalystdemos.com that's all for now I've got to get back to reviewing a module for an upcoming con myself but I think I'll grab another bottle of porter first that Mike from Michigan there's Thank a good you, Mike line. I'm definitely going to yeah. check it out if nothing else I've just I don't think we have them at ours William Gibson I don't fix. think so either I don't, I don't I've never I've never heard of this there, no and and Shadowrun is pretty infrequently run at the cons because I know it's something I've wanted <coughs> to play for a while. There's, a, there's usually a session. A, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I don't think that it's Shadowrun Missions. Yeah. Well, here, well, I'll just go to Catalyst Demos. Yeah. Or, yeah. And it says you can look up local, right? Yes. Yeah, that sounds awesome. It does. Have you Thank guys you. ever played Shadowrun? Nope. No. Me either. No, I, I own the book. I've read bits and pieces of it. I haven't read the whole thing but, but you're a big William Gibson fan right and, and me as well uh, of his earlier works to. yeah well yeah <laughs> got a little uh, I don't know kind of a little gee whiz sir and <laughs> after a while you're like I'm going to tell the guy what the hell just happened in there and, and I then, have no and, idea what and, happened and I, I don't remember which book it was uh, I think it was Adoru I think you, you and I have talked about I know I liked I liked Adoru um there was a later one, and I got the book on Audible. And the guy reading the book had a truly hypnotic voice. It wasn't even like it wasn't even like that. It was like very low and monotone. It was uh-huh. it was read the way someone who like is really into the whole William Gibson kind of uh-huh. cool factor. Was it read it? Was it pattern recognition? I like that one too. That's a more recent one. It might. Uh, 
I don't know if it was pattern recognition. I don't think it was. Hmm. I'll look it up when the next email right. is going. Um, so I'll read the next email. Yeah. Email from Bill from Arizona. Good evening, Stu and crew. In Season 11, Episode 12, you were discussing living worlds at convention games. I, for one, love them. The story, which was uh, was one such world that ran for many years at Gen Con, and it drew me back year after year, making the $2,000 plus cost to travel and stay there worth it. <coughs> oh, wow. That's dedication, my friend. Yep. They would run a dozen or so games, and the results would affect later games at either that con or next year's. The fortunes of politicians, crime families, merchants, and, of course, evil masterminds would rise and fall on the actions of the players. The best adventures were very sandboxy, which is hard to pull off at a con game. New people joined all the time, and they didn't need the backstory to get the great experience from the adventure, but those of us who were reoccurring players got a lot more out of it. The simplest example was my first adventure in The Story. There were 25 to 30 players split up into four groups and six or eight GMs. Each group was one of the competing thieves' guilds in the city. They were uh, competing to be the dominant guild and doing so by stealing the biggest prize to present to the final meeting. It's warriors. (laughs) Warriors. (laughs) Come out to play. Uh, the adventures were half tabletop and half LARP, with people working all over the room with the many GMs. Each guild had jurisdiction of a different portion of the city. All the candidate prizes were outlined to uh, to all the groups, and they could pick and choose which they would go for. Balancing risk versus reward and what district you were in may give you benefits in going after prizes within it. Our guild had the poorest district, so we were working at a serious disadvantage. So it took an unexpected approach, and GMs let us run with it. While all the other guilds were sending their forces out, we hit them. From one guild who had the toughest muscle and several mages, we stole the guildmaster's most prized possession. Then we stashed it with the leader of the second guild. When the first guild leader went looking for it, thanks to his scrying wizards, a fight ensued, and the leader of the second guild was killed. We effectively stole the life of the second guild leader. While that was occurring, we stole records from the third guild. If they were to get out... The guild would be crushed. We blackmailed them into voting for us as the new dominant guild. We succeeded at being voted the top guild, and it was the first time our poor downtrodden guild had ever won the event. From that, we got some minor benefits in future games and significant advantage going to the next year's guild competition. Those of us who came back became members for the new players, uh, mentors, I'm sorry, mentors for the new players in next year's Thieves competition after gaining levels and one more straight-up adventures at the con. Simply said, many my years playing in this story was one of the best gaming experiences I've had, con or otherwise. By the time this is read, Orcon will have passed, so I'll say in advance how great it was to finally meet all of you, and I'll be looking forward to the next opportunity. Take a drink. Ghost Answer, Bill from Arizona. Yay. I got to play with Bill. Yeah, you did. Yeah, in a Moots Crips game. Pardon? I think he might have been in my Moment he might have, I think he was in my Moment in Truth game. Oh, I bet he was. And he's, he's like literally, I'm pretty sure Bill, uh, forgive me if I get this wrong, but he's like a for real rocket scientist or something. Like he does science. He does rocket science. Yeah, he sciences rockets. Like an astrophysicist, or like, like science all over that shit. Or, yeah, <laughs> he was on the live cast too. The at the from more. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember. yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Did you find what you were looking up? Which book it was? 
No, I was looking up. I was looking up the Catalyst demo thing. Oh, okay. And they, they don't have any at ours. Um, and I I agree with him that some of the the um the Living World convention games are some of the most fun ones I have played in as well because I've had a few experiences with that a Dungeon World one and a Fate mm-hmm. uh, D and D hack one. It was a lot of fun. So I get to kind of like a mini story arc that's more than just the four-hour one-shot right. sort of thing. So you can take your character from game to game. So that's cool. I wonder if we could do something combined like that. Yeah, what were you talking about? Amongst several GMs. Uh-huh. Like a Happy Jacks, you just take your character and it bounces from setting to setting throughout the con? Not necessarily through any of them, but, I mean, get, get a couple of people who are running... I don't have to talk about it. Yeah, the, the last one. Do it. The last one I did actually changed systems. It was the the same living world mm-hmm. from game to game, but we actually changed systems between games. You can almost have something like where there's like like three or, three or four disparate groups, and then you run like three or four different games, and then uh-huh. have a conference like that night or the next morning. Okay, yeah. what are the adventures going to resulting adventures going to be on That's, day two? Yep. Well, we could all do it in GURPS. And what was that GURPS setting? The, uh, the infinite infinite worlds. worlds. Yeah. 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 I mean, that it, was the, it could the be anything. Any the setting. living dungeon world game I played in, which was the first time we did a living world, where there were time slots where there were two tables playing in the same world and they would do exactly that. Like they were adding post-it notes. Oh really? Cause okay. people were making up the fiction and pieces of the world as you were playing. Right. And so the world was being created as, as we going, played. Right. And then exactly what you said, they would have to kind of powwow before, okay, session two is going to happen. You know, where are we? What's happened? Where did we leave this table? Where did we leave that table? Right. Yeah. That would be, that fun. would be really cool. That would be fun. That book, by the way, was Spook Country. Oh, I haven't read oh. that one. I haven't yeah. even heard of it. Uh, it it kind of started to get intriguing, but literally the guy reading the book made me pass out. Mm. And you're driving. Really? I'm, I was like driving. Oh, I'm home. Huh. <laughs> and I don't remember what happened in the book. <laughs> I don't remember driving. He, got hip- home. he hypnotized he, you. He literally hypnotized me. I, I've read, let's see, they've got them, they're all here. I've read Neuromancer. Yeah. I've read Pattern Recognition. I've read Mona Lisa Overdrive. I read Count Zero, Idoru. I've read Spook Country and gone through about a quarter of it. Virtual Light. I remember Virtual Light. I don't know if I was this short stories. Might be Burning Chrome. I read. I might have read Burning Chrome. I almost all of those you've read. Burning Chrome is mentioned. I read. I might have read Burning Chrome. Chrome Is very early. Yeah. The Difference Engine. I liked. That was kind of fun. Yeah, but that's not necessarily him. It doesn't have his voice in it either. That was uh, him and Patterson Sterling. Sterling. So I I read that too, and but it, I, it didn't seem like a Gibson novel to me. Well, it's Victorian for one thing. Well, it started the steampunk thing. I did it? That's what people claim. No, there's other people that say it was Jules Verne, and other people that say it was H.G. Wells. So I don't yeah. know. They say the Difference Engine was really the point where everybody went, "Wow, really? Well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't know." Hmm. Who's who's last one? Oh, I just read, so it's uh, Gina. Yeah. Guitar Did, Spider with a nightmare. Cool. No, you can read it. Did you have questions in your dealio? Oh, let me look. 
so in case they were full stuff. of really oh. good questions last time. Having a war co-GM uh, was what I did for So You Want to Be a Vault Dweller. This is from Michelle. Oh, yeah. Oh, hi, Michelle. Let's um, hey. One time it happened during a 4E game I was in, but we hadn't been told it would happen until it happened, which I hated because the co-GM was one I wouldn't want to play under. Oh, Kind of yeah. like, kind of like what Bill was being. Like, You're a dick, man. He, he's a, <laughs> he's a right bastard when he's running combats. Uh, and I remember that from the old days when we used to play. The, oh, I remember like, now. I hate it. playing in your games. Oh, why, yeah. would you, why would you do that to me? <laughs> What's wrong with you? If you are new to Shadowrun, the the Neo Anarchist podcast is great. Gives you a history of the setting in Shadowrun slang. That's from Tomer. Oh, cool. And to be clear, Shadowrun is not William Gibson, but that's kind of the jumping off point for well, me when I Well, it when definitely I got, isn't, because it's got dwarves. Right. Yeah. Right. It's got ogres and... Elves and... Elves and dwarves yeah. and magic and stuff magic. as well. It's a, it's a kitchen sink setting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's fantasy and cyberpunk. It's not really a kitchen sink, because it doesn't have, like... It's cyber fantasy. Eldritch horror. Although, I suppose horror. it could. Come on. Could, you could bring Cthulhu tech into oh, sure. it. It would be so awesome. <laughs> um, why do... Why does the text chat want me to punch babies? I don't know. I don't know. There ha- somebody's having trouble in the. It's eating know. their words. Oh really? That's what somebody I saw I that know. a couple times. Pick a color other than black for your text. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> the purple uh, text always bothers me too. The the magenta uh, I purple. always pick purple. Ugh. Oh, I don't do magenta. Makes I do my eyes lavender. Go weird. And hail hydra. Okay. Hail. <laughs> Did you write hail? No. <laughs> have you been watching Agents of Shield? No, I have. No, someone told me it sucked, so I I didn't it's watch better. it. It's gotten better. I heard it. Got, I heard it got better. better. It was kind of a slow burn. Yes, it was a really slow burn. I don't know oh. how I managed to stick with. I it, haven't watched but Winter Soldier I'm yet, but everybody tells me that it ties in with Agents of Shield. So now I right. got to watch that too. Right? Yeah. Is that the first time a television show is referenced a movie or is like it's influenced a, a movie or no, vice versa? Um, there's a Ewoks Christmas thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. That's, I don't that's, know what else. Yeah. I don't know if that influenced canon, but yeah. Yep. yeah. There was a Maxwell yep. Smart movie. That, what? There was. There was? Yeah. Yeah. And there was Serenity was Firefly. Was it with Don Adams? Yeah. Yeah. What? Uh, it was the, terrible. They, in fact, called? I, I don't remember. The but Naked I, Something. But I remember the, the time. The what? Naked Bomb. The Naked Bomb. But I remember the it. time they actually, because uh, the original Battlestar Galactic had been canceled. So they had all these guys, they had all these Cylon suits. So when he goes to the evil villain, it's all these Cylons. I'm like, lame. <laughs> can't just, you can't just dress them up in the Cylon suits from my ute. Look, come on. Well, I but guess did. Firefly and Serenity, except for the TV show, wasn't on anymore, so. But Lost yeah. texts everywhere. Really? Is the chat room like broken? Like it's not working? Yeah, I don't know. I saw a couple things, and now Lokio is and now writing so- in a black text. He's writing in black. <laughs> yeah. If you highlight it, it shows up. He's yeah. actually writing stuff. <laughs> oh, see. Okay. All right, go, go ahead. Alrighty, guitar spider with a gaming nightmare. Hey, Jackers! After the recent call for tamer gaming horror stories. Oh, I'd- hold on. Okay. X Files. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, good point. There you go. Is that from the yes, Jammer? Kurt? Thank you. Thanks, Kurt. Uh, I decided to send my only gaming horror story. I guess I've been lucky in that regard. It's fairly classic and kind of a slow burn story, so it is a tad long. I started gaming online with friends shortly after moving between cities to go to university. 
Wanting to try this in real life as well, I started looking for groups. I didn't know any other student gamers, but I found an organized tabletop role-playing Ferren, which is German. Uh, now, if you know anything about German society, you know we love our, our Ferren clubs. Uh, so being a good German, I went and had a look. Uh, that, I'm sorry, I'm distracted by German clubs. I think it's. I'm thinking. No, I think what you say. If you really, yes, you're thinking of another fan <laughs> yeah. of club, right? That was the time on Spockets when we dance. But uh, oh. no, no, I think what he means is you know we love our Farron, which yeah. is defined as clubs. Yeah, or uh, I looked. I had to look it up. Associations. It's a, it's a, it's a, oh, fer, okay. a Ferrein yeah, as opposed Ferrein. to Ferrein or Ferrein is a club. Uh, so he went and had a look. The club rents a closed-off part of a pub for its evenings, which is pretty cool. Uh, the first thing I noticed, the wargaming half of the club was much saner than the role-playing half. The sane half of the role-playing group consisted of engineer guy and self-proclaimed author guy. Yes, self-proclaimed author guy was part of the sane half. He also sported a huge red beard. They were nice guys, and in retrospect, I feel sorry they didn't have a better group. The other half consisted of handheld guy who never really raised his head while gaming and always went off solo to play the villain part. Later, while accidentally walking by behind him, I found out he was browsing hentai pictures at the rate of two per second, Ooh. judging by the speed of his thumbs. And, I, and this is the other person, I'm a good guy GM, or good GM guy. Uh, the first evening we were playing GURPS, apparently. I had heard about it on the podcast, but didn't really know anything and was kind of curious. But if I thought we'd be making characters, I was mistaken. Uh, they wanted to continue a storyline that had apparently been running for years, but they didn't tell me anything about the plot. I was handed the GURPS books with the comment, Character creation rules are here. Oh no! In oh, 340 pages. Ah! <laughs> and, and they all sat around and waited? I know, you exactly. done? Come on, hurry up. An hour later, <laughs> I had somehow it? managed to cobble the skeleton of a GURPS character together unassisted wow. because the rest of the group was eating the meals they had ordered. At that point, I was getting impatient looks. I really don't know what was taking me so long either. I abandoned maybe the fact that he hadn't played the system ever right. before and, and someone it, just handed it, him didn't the even book. know where to look in the books. That you know, yeah. yeah, you never, you never yeah. just say, hey, here's character creation. Yeah. We, we tried that. anything. We tried that once it's, when we did in the, book. the Infinite Worlds game. And I only had one copy of it, right? Yeah. And so, like, someone gets, like, flipping through, and then you get, like, to the advantages section. It's like, ooh, oh. Oh. I've got to read every one of them now. <laughs> ooh. Oh. Oh. Yep. Oh. Oh. Mm-mm. No, that's the wrong way to do it. <laughs> Come up with your character first. Yeah. Then use the system to build it. Yeah. Uh, Let's take I, it sound like I'm reading everything. Can you give yeah. me a book? What the fuck? Right. Um, I abandoned my attempt at character creation and decided to play with what I had. The rest of the session was fairly forgettable, except for the GM's description of a giant spaceship that came out of nowhere. It goes whoosh. You know the kind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that spaceship. Yeah. Uh, that was all we were Not the one that goes about. zoom. Or, no. Or, or point. <laughs> it goes whoosh. I, <laughs> I think that's not what you think it is. That's more of a motorboat. Yes. Well, it could fly. 
I figured it could only get better and return the next week. Optimist. Uh, an irregular member was running a traveler homebrew. I'm a good guy. I'm a good GM guy. I don't know why I keep wanting to say that. I'm a, I'm a good GM guy. I wanted to play a vastly overpowered cat-like thing. He drew all kinds of Inspector Gadget-like extensions to his character on a sheet to illustrate. The GM's, uh, the GM said no. No, no. Tyler style. He didn't actually say no. He said no. No, Tyler style. I'm a good GM guy, moped, and kept drawing. The GM was good, however. Encouraged, I came back hoping for more of his games. Boy, was I mistaken. This time the system was mage, uh, played at god level. The good GM wasn't there. The plot had, again, gone on for years, and, again, I didn't get any introduction to it. It reminds me of that video, I think it's French, or no, no, it's Canadian, about the guys that are, like, picking up their gaming uh, again, and the guy comes back, and he's like, uh, Right. Oh, oh, you've all been playing. Yeah, make your new character. Uh, What do you make? uh, A thief named Boba Fett? Right? (laughs) Boba Fett? And he's like, yeah, it's in French. You You have to start... At first level, right? And they're all in their 40 level. It's hysterical. But this this is reminding me of that. That's hilarious. That was cute. Uh, the other players got their character sheets out. Engineer guy was playing a psychic. The GM suggested I play a son of Thor. Business suit, huge hammer, golden mane. I shrugged and went with it. Yeah, if your GM says to play Thor, what the <laughs> hell? You play Thor. No, God, son of Thor. Son of Thor. Still. With a business suit. He sounds like Fabio. A big mistake. Everywhere my character turned up, the GM described screaming women. Women really like the hammers, I was told. (laughs) 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 Uh, Women really like the hammers. Yes, life was double entendre. (laughs) (laughs) Big hammers. Blonde hair. (laughs) (laughs) Initially, I'm a good GM guy. Also had an NPC who turned up to tell us what was going on all the time. That's awesome. Oh, Jesus. He did not stick yeah, to I'm that. Yeah, I'm just here to tell you that uh, you're missing the entire plot point here. You need to pick it up and He's go. The Greek uh, nice hammer. Goodbye. Right. Um, he they did not stick to that. that. Yeah. After we had beaten the big bad, another alien spaceship that went whoosh. <laughs> we were standing around the wreck uh, when GMNPC turned up for a monologue. Yeah. Awesome. As you do. Something about a new age <laughs> of consciousness. I leaned back and decided to sit it out. At the end of his monologue, GM NPC snapped his fingers and psychically awakened the whole universe. I'm a good GM guy turned to engineer and said, you can't take the amount of new psychic consciousness. Your brains are frying. I stared on in disbelief as Engineer looked at GM and said, without any discernible enthusiasm, after a short breath, Hmm. I keel over screaming and foaming at the mouth. Ah. I'm a good GM guy, (laughs) nodded, satisfied, and started another GM NPC monologue. I didn't even know what to say, but Engineer clearly had experience with this kind of thing. (laughs) This is so sad. He lay low for five minutes, waited until I'm a good GM guy had moved on, and interjected between NPC monologue parts, I get up and wipe the foam away. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm a good GM guy. Had apparently forgotten what happened. He just nodded and went on with his monologue. Oh my god, Jesus! Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, uh, okay. Uh, so anyway, as I was saying, I'm in the middle of my monologue. Uh, after the session, I'm a good GM guy went on about how he was a good GM. <laughs> Nobody bothered to correct him. <laughs> and handheld guy responded, sure, I have time on Wednesday evenings. You're my only friend. And he's busy looking through, he's busy <laughs> going through a hand tie at, at, at two, uh, one picture every two seconds. Yeah, two. I can't believe he paused yeah. to, well, and there sure. is only you friends. You guys are my only friends. Yeah. And he's sure I have time on Wednesday evenings. Uh. Between hentai pictures. Um, you're my only friends to I'm a good guy, good GM guy's suggestion to run a solo Star Wars game for him. Yes, yeah, that's I'm such a good GM, I'll run a solo Star Wars game for you, yeah. Yep. The remaining three of us started talking about having someone else run a game after the two were out of earshot. But I already knew I'd never be back. Eventually found a sane group to play around a table with. The end. Cheers, Fabian, Guitar Spider on the forums. That's kind of awesome. That's terrible. It, it, it again, it makes me just never want to go to gaming stores and with pickup groups. That's a that's a messy multi online right um, term, but it, it applies in this one too. It's like <laughs> uh, I'm going to go just hang out with a bunch of people I don't know and see what happens. Because every time I've ever done that, you run into a couple of cool people. But for the most part, it's just it's this. Stuff. See, I've met some great gamers at cons that were people Absolutely. who just signed up for games and exchanged phone numbers and invited them in, into our regular That's weekly cons. games. Cons at gaming stores. I, I remember early on. I mean, it was but just it, like an endurance are, test. I, I don't know. I I I don't gen- generally tend to talk to people. Um, I don't know. Well, yeah, you barely talk to people you know. I do. <laughs> and I'd prefer not to do that either. But <laughs> but you're here in my studio and right. I have to. So, I mean, I mean, the number of people I will meet at a con and actually go out of my way and say, hey, here's my phone number. We, yeah. run, a, we run a weekly game. It's an incredibly tiny, tiny amount of people. I mean, it's only probably ever happened once. It just so happened it was with someone I met at a game con who had a group of very enthusiastic, very good players and then we basically combined groups, and the, the groups intermingled, and it, it was it was great. But yeah, I don't I don't normally do that. Have you ever played in a in a game store or a public, other than a game con? Either of you? Well, yeah, when I was in high school and yeah. such, and we met one or two people. Some of them were creepy, and that's the other thing is that once you hook up with these people, they don't go away. You have to like. You know, okay. No, that's with them. That's why I keep the game store. That's I have time on Wednesday nights. You guys are my only friends. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I but but I no. I definitely because we were playing with our groups and such, and it was sort of a way to get out there and because you get used to your friends' GM styles and stuff. And you want to see right. what else is there, and so somebody's hosting games, so you check it out, and it just never felt comfortable. I've we used to play at the library house in Long Beach occasionally. But I mean, people would come by and ask what we're doing. But uh huh. But it was a closed group, technically. Yeah, I mean, it would never even have occurred to me back then to have a to make a character if someone wanted to play. Uh-huh. I would do that today, but back then it wouldn't, wouldn't even occur to me. I met some. I met some cool people playing, like running encounters. Mm-hmm. Um, 
over like a um like a year long period um and people I would play with but yeah i i guess by and large if you don't share like sort of a group a similar group of friends or something you're not necessarily going to in high school we had a group of people that we game together with and then eventually just through the circles, we found other people through uh-huh. friends and such that also liked to game. Yeah. And I can remember one famous day where we had, I think, everybody got together at a guy's house for a weekend of gaming. And there were like, I think at one point, there were three games running in various rooms in the house. And there were probably 15, 20 people in the house playing it's your own little private, different games. private con. It kind of was. That's yeah. Awesome. And it was, and we were all too young to drink, but there was lots of sugar and soda and candy and sleeping on the floors. And, um, and that was probably the high point of it. And it was some of those people I didn't know. Some of them I did know. Some of them, um, I, I, you know, were, I, I, some of them were older. They were the big kids. Uh-huh. Um, but it was never like total strangers that we just sort of met. I, I, we met a couple of people at gaming stores, but for the most part, it was all just kept in-house with people we knew were friends of people. And they would bring, you know, hey, I got a guy I just met who's a friend of ours from in school. It's, you know, I didn't right. know they gamed and then they came to the game. And if we didn't like them, we'd like never bring him back or we would just not invite him back or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't habitually go to gaming stores and pick up <laughs> pick up strange players and take them <laughs> home. All Ted Bundy style. A couple questions on that. Let's see. Uh, well, comment here from... Andrew, Shadowrun lost its charm and purpose when Wi-Fi came out and turned the Matrix into SimSense. Ah. Yeah, I could see that. When, it, when everything went wireless. Yep. That's a, that is a genre. Cyberpunk is kind of a genre that does not weather well with the advance of technology. At least it hasn't. Right, because when it came out, the whole cyberspace and everything it's, was kind of mystical. And, and now it's, it's gone in a different my, direction. Now my ten year old is like on. But the, it's gone know, in a different direction. It I has. Think, than, than the fiction would. Than the the a less interesting direction, but a more useful direction. I think. Well, it's real. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then f- here is uh, his real name's up there, but um, I, I see his icon. I'm trying to remember his character's name. I can't. Or his his um, handle on the forum. The little uh, green <laughs> penguin guy with the drink. Oh. Yeah. Can't remember. Uh, so recently I have decided to toss my hat into the GMA ring for the first time ever. I'm planning to run an L5R game. Not sure why, but for some reason L5R calls out to me to be a GM rather than a player. Any advice for my first time? Stu, this is... Mary Prankster. That's the... That's oh, it. yeah. Stu, this is directly in your court. Uh, I would read the 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 creation myth intro in the book, because that kind of gets your mind in the right space to understand the mysticism of the game, because it's different. Yeah. It's not, you're not mages with casting spells. It's different. Very know? much so. And and it really is a sort of animistic world, so I, I would definitely do that. Familiarize yourselves with the clans. I personally thought it was a very good idea to restrict the game to a single clan. You also didn't bring magic in at first because you just didn't want to deal cool. with it. Yes, I waited on magic. Mm-hmm. Waited on. There's actually several things. Well, what was? Why did you? I mean, I. I 
didn't want to complicate it yet. Okay, that's what I figured. But it also, I thought, was really cool for the story. Yeah. It worked out really well. It, yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely a different kind of story once you have a Shigenji uh-huh. there. Well, yep. I also think for a player's point of view, too, we all know what a samurai is. Right. I don't really know what a Shigenja is. Right. I, I and and having played Alpha Avar, I got a better handle on it. But I've seen many a Shogun movie and, and many a Kurosawa movie, um, so I know how to play a samurai. So that was easily accessible, and I kind of got that. Mm-hmm. I can easily see you made the right choice. I think monks might be fun because we've all saw kung fu as a kid. Right. Know? Yeah. I mean the, the the whole. I was just trying to basically introduce things. If someone wanted to play a monk once the game goat starts up this summer, they're welcome to it. At this point, but I wanted to like kind of understand the combat system before we introduced magic. Now we've introduced magic. We kind of once we remember how yeah. to do it. Yeah. Um, if someone wanted to like complicate it and bring the next thing in, I'd be fine with. We got to remember to play again. Yeah, well, we actually, yeah, we will. <laughs> you will. It's I know fair. where we were. Where we were. Oni, screaming, yes. screaming, running screaming down the hill. Oni. <laughs> god, my god, that man was great. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Hey Um. And, and, and but I I definitely would limit uh, your scope as far. I mean, you're not giving the players as much sort of latitude if they have to play within one one clan. But well, you all have it, to start somewhere it, anyway. It's manage. It, it's more manageable, and it can it basically yeah. It's it's like starting at first level. You're yeah. gonna start, and you're gonna deal with. Like the rivals within your family first, and you're going to deal with that, and then maybe you're going to move on to like the other great families within your within your clan, and then you're mm-hmm. going to move on once you've gotten. I think you made the right decision for neophytes in the system. It's just keep it all within the same clan. Pick you a, don't have to worry too yeah, much pick, about pick a clan you like. Yeah, read everything you can about that clan. Yep, and then. And just keep it run. Come up with a little campaign that involves them, and then yep. I mean, and if if that plays out and people want to keep going, you've got a shit ton of material because you've got what eight other clans that you can. And it doesn't even need to be Japanese inspired. Game of Thrones is very clannish. Oh well, yeah, a, a lot of the a lot of the stuff that happens there you could easily translate into Game of sure. into, into L five R. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a feudal society. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Espioloy says, why advanced technology for cyberpunk? Nobody cares that steampunk doesn't have electricity. Why care that cyberpunk is retro? Hmm. It's not that we care, but I th- I think it affects because the Because it's you... supposed to be the future. Right. I think that's why. Right. I, I was, was going to say because now, that, now on the other side of the internet, and it's also prevalent, it takes away the mysticism from the technology. Because back when it was doing it, the internet was new and exciting, and it could it, you could easily, or didn't exist. It would well, be like I, technological magic, and now it's like, like you said, it's gone a different direction. We're like we all have it. My ten year old can use it, right? But I think if you do introduce stuff like SimSense and stuff like that, that it does take on this sort of, you know, near future. Yes, like, and it still is. They're trying to keep yeah. it science fiction, yeah, like, near future dystopia. Yeah, the game I've mentioned a couple times that I've played, while I've never played Shadowrun, I understand the world, the the Sprawl, which is a uh, mm-hmm. Powered by the Apocalypse game, is very much without the magic and the fantasy uh, races, Right, is very much like that. And I definitely think you get that kind of cyberpunk 
futuristic without it being like uh check out if you want to do yourself a funny uh, you go on YouTube and there's a shadow run like 1980s. I've seen that. Yeah, it's, it's like a commercial. It's freaking awesome. But yeah, that's what I think people are talking about when they're like, it's so retro. Cause yeah. Well, <sighs> another D and D dads that cyberpunk had pseudoscience attached to it. Wi-Fi doesn't work for a Decker because pardon my geekdom. Wi-Fi doesn't care about lost packets where you can, where if you were attacking your nervous system, uh, it would be a problem. Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah. There you go. And Hail Hydra. <laughs> Hail Hydra. So say we all. All right. Let's call it. Yeah. You get we all tomorrow. got stuff to do in the morning. And we do. Yeah. I got places to be. I got costumes <laughs> to wear. You got to, you got to remember, you have to bring your base. And I bring my base and, and my zooks. And then uh, I wonder if maybe next week I'll have my I'll be in my great kilt. And then you know what yeah. you know what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. For I'll this. be in my you need my belted plaid. And and you need to do the double neck guitar thing like they do in Spinal Tap, where you play bass on top and then it's an upright though. That be like yeah, but how behemoth? It would be awesome to have an instrument like that. Yeah. Can you imagine what the case would look like? Maybe you could just do again like Spinal Tap. You can actually Ew. play your bass with the zook. <laughs> Instead of the I bow. could do that. With I that, could do that on the stage. Two your Stonehenge. Stonehenge. All right. The children of something. Where the, the children dance to the pipes of Pan. Stonehenge, where the, the demons dwell, dwell and, and the banshees live, and they do live well. Stonehenge, where a man is a man, and the children dance to the pipes of Pan. Dun dun dun. Nice. And you, my love. Smell the glove. Take my hand. <laughs> they came out with an album, uh, Back from the Dead. Yeah. Uh, about five really? years ago. And there's a new version of Stonehenge on it. It's awesome. Really? It's the same, exactly the same song, but they've uh, basically kind of stepped up the production value of it, and it just fucking rocks. Do you have all the versions of... There's like two or three versions I, I don't, of I don't, all that. I do not have the original soundtrack anymore. Um, I, somewhere I've got the CD of Break Like the Wind. Nice. Um, I have then, that. And then Back from the Dead, and that's it. I and have Stonehenge on my iTunes. It comes up now and again when I'm just listening to right. stuff. And yeah. I know how they danced. The, the little, little children, children of Stonehenge. Stonehenge. <laughs> I love them. I played it for Zachary. Zachary's like, Daddy, that's the best song uh, there ever. There you go. Hey, Spinal Tap con game. Sayeth, uh, hey, there we go. So saith DT Pints. All right, I'm going to call fade it. it. When listeners of Happy Jacks on PG Podcast. Thank you for listening to Season 12, Episode 1 of Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. This is Gina. This is Stork. And don't forget, next uh, next weekend, Saturday, April 26th, Bogfest at the Monrovia Doubletree Hotel, 8 p.m. Join us poolside. And until then, we will not be doing a show next Friday because Bogfest is the next day. That's right. That's right. So we'll see you all in two weeks and enjoy. Thank you for joining us, and we'll leave you with a song. Yeah.
Jets podcast will be There are heroes in the Bible that many think are great. There's Samson, David, and Noah, and there's others touched by fate. But there's one man in the Bible whose story makes me sigh. He's Onan, and he's my hero. And let me tell you why. Well, God, he said to Onan, you need to have a son. There are many Jews I talk to, but you're my favorite one. So Onan picked his wife up on the bed, he laid her down. But instead of giving her his seed, he spilt it on the ground. Onan, my God, that man was great. Onan, he loved to masturbate. His name was Onan. That man, he was a jewel. Onan, he tended to his tool. Well, God, he said to Onan, you need to build an ark. There is too much sinning in this world, it needs a brand new start. But Onan stopped his building when it began to rain. He said, screw this hobo building, I'll go home and pull my chain. Onan, my God, that man was great. Onan, he loved to masturbate. His name was Onan, that man, he was a jewel. Onan, he tended to his tool. Well, God, he said to Onan, you need to free the Jews. So go and tell old Pharaoh that it's my will he must choose. But when Onan met the Pharaoh, he ignored what Yahweh said and pulled out the wrong staff and chose to free his seed instead. Onan, my God, that man was great. Onan, he loved to masturbate. His name was Onan, that man, he was a jewel. God, he said to Onan, I'll give you one more try. There's a big man named Goliath, and I think he needs to die. When Onan saw Goliath, these are the words he spoke. I think I'll be the neat retreat and my chicken, I will choke. Oh, yeah. Onan, my God, that man was great. Onan, he loved to masturbate. His name was Onan. That man, he was a jewel. Watch him whilst he busts a nut. Onan, my God, that man was great. Onan, he loved to masturbate. His name was Onan. That man, he was a jewel. Onan, he tended to his tool. One stroke up, one stroke down. Come like Onan on the ground. Onan, my God, that man was great. Onan, he loved to masturbate. His name the preceding program has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Bum, 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 bum.